Well, last week we started a series called Confessions of a Pastor, and I made my first confession. And if you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to get online. You can watch it free on the website, the church website. You can download it on your iPod. You can listen to it for free, and I believe it will be a great help to your life. And, and last week as I, I began this, this series, I kicked it off by talking to you about there's power in confession. There's power. The Bible talks about this. And I shared several scripture, scriptures with you about how there's power in confession to confess our sins to the Lord so that we can be healed. To, to confess our sins, our faults, our junk to one another so that we can be healed, so that we can live a victorious Christian life. And, and my goal is as I make confessions to you and open up my life, that your life will be healed. You'll be in Encouraged to be bold enough to make some confessions and be healed and begin to walk in victory like never before. So I want to make my second confession, and that is this. I'm insecure. I'm insecure. And some of you view me as being a secure person, a secure pastor, but the truth is my life has been impacted in a negative way by insecurities, by huge insecurities. And, and the raw reality is we all struggle with insecurities in one way or another. And, and I, I, didn't, I haven't just struggled with insecurities. I mean, it's been a huge issue in my life that's affected me in a negative way in my thinking. It's affected my life in a negative way. It's affected my marriage in a negative way. It's affected my relationships in a negative way. Insecurities. So I want to talk to you about that for the next few Moments. One of my biggest insecurities is I thought the people closest to me were always going to leave me. The people closest to me were always going to leave me. And as I look over my life and examine my life, I can see several things that have happened in, in my life that has, had caused me to develop this thinking, this mindset, this heart. But probably the biggest factor as I look back over my life of why I feel like people who are close to me will leave me was when my dad and mom split up when I was in high school and they ended up getting a divorce. And my, my mom, my brother, and my sister moved to New York, and I had the opportunity to move to New York with them as well, uh, but for uh, high school football reasons, and I had an opportunity to get a football scholarship, and didn't want to have to go to a new school and reestablish myself. I stayed in Rewoka, Oklahoma, and, and I was really close with my mom. Uh, mom, she took care of us. She she she. She washed our clothes, she cooked meals for us, she helped us with our homework. Mom was a, a huge rock in, in my life, and, and I was close to my brother and my sister. We'd grow, grown up together, and my brother and I actually shared a room growing up, and even back in the days, we used to have bunk beds, and so I, I was close with, with my brother, and I'll never forget that first Christmas, and I've shared this story before without my family there, and uh, the tears I shed and the pain I felt, and and just disconnected from my family. And, and that just developed this whole feeling inside of me that those who are close to me will walk out on me. They will 
leave me. And, and this whole this whole experience of my parents and all, it's, I, I also had some positive things from it because I developed this fighting mentality. And not fighting naturally, but I developed this mentality that I'm going to make it. And so I'm, I'm in pain, I'm hurting, I'm crying on my pillow, I'm, I'm confused. But there was something inside of me that said, I'm going to make it, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to get through this. And I kept my grades up and, and got, got, graduated with a high GPA in high school. I ended up getting a scholarship because I had this mentality. I'm going to make it. It was kind of like one of this mentality that I'm going to make it no matter what. I don't need anybody. I'm going to make it. And so I developed this kind of this I'm going to make it mentality, but also developed this heart that I don't need anybody and I don't want to get too close to anybody because they might walk out on me. And when I got married, this is probably when it surfaced the most. I got married and literally I had this feeling that was frequent that my wife was going to leave me. We had a great relationship. We, we loved each other. We're both Christians. But this, because of the feelings of my past and what I've been through, I, I had this huge insecurity. And literally, I would be flying out to preach somewhere across the nation and flying back home. And I would have these thoughts, when I get back home, will Tiffany be there? And it was like pulling back up to, at the time we were living in an apartment, kind of duplex place, pulling up and seeing her car. It's like, thank you, Lord, she's still here. I mean, seriously, those, those feelings, they were, they were real. Those insecurities. When we moved to Oklahoma City and we started People's Church and we had had our first kid and I was still just struggling and, and been, been defeated by these insecurities. And, and I, I, I remember calling Tiffany one time and I couldn't get a hold of her. I think she was busy that day. I think her cell phone actually died. And in my mind, in my mind, in my thinking, I thought, my wife's left me. She took our child. And she's left me. I just know she's left me. Got home. My wife was there. Thank you, Lord. She was still there. And, but the, these... Struck. And you know what I did? You know, you know what had happened because I had these insecurities? I had a wall up. And the people that loved me the most, I wouldn't let in. I would only let you in so far. I wouldn't open up. I'd only let you in so far. Insecurities. A second huge insecurity for me was, has been I've really struggled trusting people. Trusting people. And like every person in this room, I think we could all say that we've been hurt by people who are close to us. And I'm not exempt from that. I've been hurt by people who have been close to me. I, I had someone close to me try to actually steal my social security number and, and actually kind of did and was trying to use it for their financial gain. And, and they were willing to hurt me. They were willing to make me suffer for their own benefit. And it created these emotions like who can, who can I trust? I, I have certain people in, in my life that, that every time they contact me, I know they want something. Come on, anybody else got some relationships like that? Come on, come on now. Huh? You know what I'm saying? Every time they call, every time they contact me, even if they say it's about something else, I just know. I know now. I know. I know. I'm like, when you call me, I'm thinking, what do you want? You know, hey, Herbert, how you, what, do, am I, am I, what do you want? Can I get some money? Can you help me? Can you do this? I need that. It's, it's, they all, and so it creates these feelings in, in, inside of me. Of, 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 and here's what I've developed. I don't trust anybody. Who can I trust? I don't trust anybody. And then, and then I, I had this develop in my heart. And, it, and, and, and it's a dangerous thing, thing when, you, when you develop what I developed. And it was a, a suspicious heart. And I developed a suspicious heart. And I became suspicious of everybody. And when you have a suspicious heart, some of you have struggled with the same things. When you have a suspicious heart, you know what you start thinking? You start thinking, why would you do that? Even my wife, I'd ask her, when we first got married, I'd ask those questions. Why would you do that? I mean, I know it was nice, but why? 
what you really want. You know what I'm saying? Suspicious heart. Why'd you say that? No, no. What did you really mean? Come on, now, I know you said it, but what do you really? And I developed this suspicious heart. And you know what? Because of my own insecurities, the people who loved me the most, I was driving away. I was pushing away. I was putting a wedge in between us because of my own insecurities. So I want to talk to you about, for the next few moments, about how I won the battle over my insecurities. The battle. Everybody shout, the battle. I want you to catch that. Call it the battle. Because, because, because check this out, because I'm still fighting the war. So I'm still fighting the war of insecurity. But I have won the battle, though I'm still in the war every day. I have won the battle over my insecurity. So I want to talk to you about how I've won the battle, not the war, but the battle over my insecurity. Number one is this. I had to admit I had a problem. I had to admit I had a problem. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 8, if we claim we have no sin, we have no issues, we have, we have no problems, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. The Bible says when we claim we have no sin, we have no issues, that, that, that we're only fooling ourselves. In other words, a lot of people around us, they see our problems. They see our issues, but we fool ourselves. God for sure sees our issues and our sin and our problems. And we claim we're without sin. We're without issues. We are only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 32 and verse number five, then I acknowledged my sin. I recognized my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I quit covering up my iniquity. I quit covering up my mess. Like, you know what? I don't really have any problem. You don't understand what I've been through. If you knew my childhood and I'm covering up my, I'm covering up my mess. He said, listen, listen, you, you did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I said, I will confess. I, I'm recognizing I got a problem. And I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. And one of the biggest things I had to do to win the battle over my insecurities was to recognize I had a problem. Hear me, people's church. You can be dysfunctional for so long that you begin to think it's normal. You can be dysfunctional because you can be a functional, dysfunctional person. How many you know what I'm talking about? You see what I'm saying? You can hold down a job. You can actually be married. You can be raising some kids, but you're dysfunctional. And you can be dysfunctional. You can be stuck in a way of thinking and how you act and what you do for so long. You start to think your dysfunction is normal. And it took me several years of being married and even being the senior pastor of People's Church before I fully realized and acknowledged I have a problem that is keeping me from being all that God wants me to be. And you know what, people's church? I couldn't allow God to change me until I was willing to recognize and to acknowledge I have a problem. And some of you in this place, some of you watching online around the world, you have insecurities that are destroying your life. And some of you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. It's insecurities. You always respond to people with anger. Why do you do that? Why are you always angry? Why do you always respond in anger? What's causing you? What, what insecurity? Oh, that's just how I am. No, 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 no. Stop justifying it. Why are you always angry? Why are you always cynical? Why are you always critical of everybody? 
Well, that's just how I'm wired. No, 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 no. Quit thinking it's normal. Why are you cynical all the time? Some of you say, well, I'm just witty. No, that's not wit. You're cynical. You're condescending. You're critical. Why are you always harsh? You respond to people harsh and you're, you're mean and you're, and you're rude. Why, why are you like that? Come on, quit, quit, quit trying to cover it up. Quit, quit trying to say, I'm, I'm okay. No, no, no. Why are you that way? Insecurities. Why do you always see the worst in every situation? You know, people don't even want to talk to you. Because they know, what do you think about this? Oh, honey, it's not going to work. I'm just, it's not going to work. He's no good. She's no good. I don't even know why you're applying for that job. I mean, why do you see the worst in every situation? Why do you see the worst in people? Every person you see the worst. Come on, why, why, why is it? Everybody's wrong. Everybody's out to get you. Every, I mean, why, is, why, why do you see the worst? Insecurities. But there are some people that they're insecure and they mask it with, with being loud and act like a clown. You ever met somebody like that? It's loud. Ah, ah. You know what I mean? You're a clown. Why, the, why do you want all the attention on you? Ooh, I got to be the center of attention. Why? What, what, what's the insecure? What's driving you to have to be the center of attention? What's, what's driving you? You're hurting yourself. You're hurting your marriage. You're hurt. You can't get career advancement because you're loud and you're a clown. Insecurities, insecurities, insecurities. And the first thing you have to do is you have to realize and you got to acknowledge I have problem. Number two is this. There's a second thing that I did to win the battle over my insecurities. Number two is I had to surround myself with healthy God-honoring relationships. With healthy God-honoring relationships. This biblical principle I'm getting ready to share with you revolutionized my life. Don't miss this. This principle revolutionized my life. Here it goes. Who you surround yourself with will change you for the good or will change you for the bad. Hear me. Who you surround yourself with will change you for the good or will change you for the bad. This is not my opinion. This is scripture. This is the word of God. The Bible says it like this in the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. Walk with the wise and become. Become changing and become wise. In other words, you could be a fool. You could be naive. You could be off a little bit in your thinking. But when you walk with the wise, you actually start becoming wise. And if you associate with fools, it goes on to say, and you get in trouble. You hang around fools, you act like a fool. If you're already a fool, you become more of a fool. You hear what I'm saying? It's a biblical principle. Who you surround yourself with will make you into a better person or into a worse person. If you, if you associate with fools, you get in trouble. If you're already dealing with pain and bitterness and you hang around people with pain and bitterness, guess what? It just feeds you. And you just get worse. And you get more bitter. You hang around people that are critical and cynical. You know what happens to you? You get cynical. You're already halfway cynical. Now you just give in to it. And you're critical. You hang around people that see everything the worst. The worst case scenario. Everything's bad. And you become 
that way. You hang around people that are hateful and you're struggling with hate and unforgiveness. And they just feed into your soul full and you get yourself into trouble. I used to say this when I traveled and spoke a lot to teenagers. I used to say this to teenagers. Listen, teenagers, listen, teenagers. Show me your three closest friends and I'll show you your future. But that's not just true for teenagers. That's true for you and I. You show me your three closest friends and I'll show you your future. Who you surround yourself, they're either making you better or they're making you worse. They're either helping you to be good or they're helping you to be bad. That's a biblical principle. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33. In the New Testament it says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts. Good character. In other words, a person with good character hooks up with somebody with bad character. They surround themselves with a person of bad character, and the bad character starts to mess up the person with the good character. We've seen it. We've all seen it. We've all seen people that you look at them, and they're headed in one direction. They're heading in a good direction. And all of a sudden, you're like, what's wrong with you? You're different. They got around different people. You're acting different. You're doing things different. Your philosophy of life is different. Because, listen, the Bible says, don't be misled. Don't you deceive yourself. Bad company corrupts good character. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on. When you get around healthy, godly people, they will spur you on toward love and good deeds. Hear this. When you surround yourself. With healthy, God-honoring relationships, they will spur you on to love and to good deeds. You see, when you surround yourself with the right people, you know what they do? They encourage you. Why don't you forgive? Let it go. Forgive. See, the wrong people, they say, hold on to it. Get even, honey. Get even. You get them. Let's get a plan together. You're around the wrong people. You're around the wrong people. You'll never get healing that way. You'll never get over your insecurities that way. But you get around the right people, and they'll spur you on to forgive. They'll spur you on to be kind. Don't, no, don't retaliate. Be nice. Be kind. They'll, they'll spur you on to love and good deeds. They'll, 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 they'll spur you on to hope. You get around the wrong person, they don't have any hope for you. There's no hope for anybody. Just give up. Just quit. Just stop. It's not going to work out. Nothing's going to work out in your life. But you get around the right people who are godly and they're healthy. They'll spur you on the hope. There's hope. There's a future. God has plans for you. There's more for you. You know what else will happen if you get around the right people? They'll encourage you to step out in faith and trust again. It's happened for me. To get around people and say, Herbert, trust. You can trust again. Come on, step out. And it's a step of faith. When you step out and you trust and you step out and you trust because you're vulnerable now and you could get hurt. But there's healing in that when people are spurring you on towards love and good deeds. Trust again. Have faith in people again. You get over insecurities. One of the biggest things that has helped me to get over my insecurities are those relationships. The number one has been my wife. My wife has brought healing into my life. Tiffany has loved me unconditionally. Now, Tiffany, I don't want to paint her as the perfect wife. She's not perfect. She's had issues. But I got a godly woman. I got a woman that loves the Lord. She loves me. She's a Proverbs 31 woman. And, 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 and Tiffany has loved me in spite of my insecurities. She's loved me in spite of my lack of trust. My wife has loved me when I was putting up walls and I was questioning her motives. She just loved me. You know what happened? My wife loved the insecurity right out of me. 
She, she loved the lack of trust right out of me. She loved and melted those walls I put up. She loved them right down to the ground. She, she loved me in the wholeness. And here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you this. I want to speak to all the spouses. I want you to know something, spouses, that you have the ability and the power for God to use you to bring healing to your spouse. I'm talking to somebody today. Be patient. Be godly. Be loving. And I know what some of you are thinking. I'm tired of being patient. You might be the problem. Nobody going to get healing with you like that. Be patient. Be loving. Be godly. Because God can use you as he did my wife to bring healing to your life. You know what else God has used surrounding myself with right relationships? Is God's used my wife's family to bring healing to my life. Hanging around her, her family, her parents. They love the Lord. They're actually pastors of a church. And they love God. And their family's Christ-centered. And spending Christmases with them. And opening up gifts and talking about the Lord. And send people focused on the Word and living their life by the Word. Talking, it just brought healing to my life. Her parents have been married almost 40 years. And to see them committed through thick and thin. Of my 15 years of being married to their, their daughter. To watch them do life and. It's brought healing to me and my insecurities. To watch her grandparents. They, they were here for when my kids got baptized last month. Her, her, her grandparents, they've been married almost 65 years. And they love God. They live by the word. They, they honor the word. They love the house of God. They're in church every week. I mean, they, they, they live in Minnesota. And every time I'm around Bill, he wants to talk about the Bible. Hey, Herbert, are you talking about revelations? I'm telling you, the Lord is coming soon. I'm telling you, Herbert, over here, the prophecy says, and the Lord, that's what he talks about. That's what he talks about. But it's brought healing to my life because who you surround yourself will make you a better person or it will end up making you a worse person. I'll tell you what else has brought healing to my life is surrounding myself with the right friends. I've got godly friends like Lynn Wheeler who speaks here every, once a year. And he's been a friend to me. He's loved me unconditionally. He's been a great friend to me. I, I, love, I love him so much and what he's meant to my life. I, friend, I got a com- community group that I meet with once a week, and these men love me, and I open up to them, and I share my life with them. I tell them they're my brothers. They really are. They're like, my, they're like family to me, and I'm just able to open up, and I'm able to be vulnerable. I'm able to share struggles, and, and they don't just see me as pastor. They see me as friend, and, and, and they love me, and, and that's brought healing to my life. Let me ask you a question. Who are you surrounded by? Who's speaking into your life? You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And I overcame insecurity by being surrounded by the right people. Number three is this. Number three is this. Number three is this. Number three. How I won the battle over insecurity is I had to establish healthy boundaries. Had to establish healthy boundaries. The Bible says this in Psalms 119 and verse 66. Teach me knowledge and good That's what the Lord will do. He'll teach you knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. The psalmist said in Psalms 32 and verse 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the paths, the best pathway for your life. 
It goes on to say, I will advise you and watch over you. Listen, if you'll look to the Lord, if you'll look to godly people and godly counsel, listen, God, God will guide you along the right path. He'll show you the best pathways. God will, he will offer advice. He'll give you sound judgment for your life. And you know, one of the things that has helped me is I had to establish healthy boundaries in my life. And it helped me overcome my insecurities. Like here's a boundary I had to establish. I had to learn to say no. That was hard for me to say no. No. I'm not mean about it. I'm nice. I'm loving. But it's no. Because I would let people in and let them hurt me, let them do me wrong. And I just learned. I learned to stand up for myself in love and just say, no. No, no, we're not doing that. No, that's, that's not happening. No. No, that's, that's, no, that's, no, that's not going to work. No. Come on, somebody need to practice that with me. Say no. Come on, come on. Say no. Come on. Somebody need a little attitude. No. No, don't do that to them now. But you know what I'm saying? You've got to get some boldness about you. No. No, you're hurting me. You're destro- I can't let you destroy me. I can't let you destroy my relationship with God. I can't let you destroy my, my family. You, you know what else I, I had to do? I, I, I had to establish boundaries on certain relationships. That were destroying me, destroying my walk with God, destroying my family. I had to establish certain boundaries. So on certain relationships, I just had to say, you know what, this is our, this is our relationship. Here's what it's going to look like. But I, I want something different. Well, the Lord be with you. But, but, but now if you want to have a relationship, kind of like this is what it's going to look like. And I love you. And, and, you know, hey, we've been boys a long time. You see what I'm saying? But this is our relationship. And maybe, maybe if you make some changes, you know, maybe things will change. But right now, this is our relationship. So I want a relationship with you. And I had to put boundaries on certain relationships so that I could serve God. I could be a healthy man of God, a healthy husband, and a healthy daddy, and a healthy pastor. Let me teach you a principle. Here's the principle. There are times you have to forsake the old to obtain the new. There are times you have to forsake the old to obtain the new. I'm talking to somebody right now. For some of you, maybe, maybe that's the way you were brought up. And, and maybe you have to forsake some of the, some of the family traditions or some of the things you did as a kid or growing up because it's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for your relationship with God. It's not healthy for your marriage and your family. Just because you always done it that way don't mean you need to keep doing it. You have to forsake the old. To, 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 to obtain the new. For, for some of you, maybe it's generational sin. As you look back to your family, you just see all kind of sin patterns and sin habits. And uncles had it and grandma had it and grandpa had it and daddy had it and mama had it and cousins got it. And you're like, no more. I got to forsake the old to obtain the new. Maybe it's some old friends and you got to forsake the old to obtain the new. Maybe it's some old habits, some old thinking patterns. You have to forsake the old to, 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 to obtain the new. And you're establishing healthy boundaries has been key for me to overcome my insecurities. Number four is this. Number four is this. I had to grow up in my faith. This is huge. I had to grow up in my faith. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 through 3, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up. Everybody shout, grow up. 
Come on, you have to grow up in your salvation. The Bible says that because there are some people who don't grow up. They never grow up. It says that you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3 says we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love everyone has for each other is increasing. He says, listen, your faith is growing more and more, and when your faith goes more and more, the way you love people, it increases more and more. You have to grow up. And that's what I had to do. I had to grow up in my faith. You know, when you go off to college, and I, I went to college, and they, it, you have to pay for those classes. <laughs> and um, so you start as a freshman, and you may take freshman English, or you take freshman science, and you pay for those credit hours. And if you flunk the freshman classes, the next year, they're not free. You have to pay again. It costs you to take those classes again. And, and, and you know what? And you know what? There are times that the universities will raise tuition. And it may cost you more the next time to take the same class over again. And no matter how bad you want to be a sophomore, just because you went to school for three years, don't make you a junior. Hear what I'm saying? No matter how bad you want to be a junior, you're still a freshman. You got to pass these classes to advance. And it's going to cost you every time you have to take the class again. And it's the same way in life. When you're dealing with insecurities and you're dealing with junk and you're dealing with junk of the past, you know what? Sooner or later you have to grow up in your faith. You have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. I don't want to take the same class over again because you know all that happens is it costs me. And there are times when you take the same class over again in your life, the same class of insecurity, the same class of sin, the same class of junk, the same stuff of the past, and you never pass it. And all it does is keep costing you. It'll cost you in your marriage. It'll cost you in your career. It'll cost you in your friendships. It'll cost you your destiny. If you're not careful, I don't want to keep paying the same price over and over again and not advancing. I don't want to be a freshman in my insecurities. I want to graduate. And I had to wake up and say, Herbert, you got issues. And I need spiritual milk. And I need to grow up in my salvation. And I need to overcome this. Because my heart's desire is that I would be the man that God created me to be. And I'd be the husband that God created me to be. And I'd be the daddy that God created me to be. And I'd be the pastor that God created me to be. And if I never grew up and got victory over my insecurities, it would rob me of my destiny. I'd keep taking the same test and failing. And it cost me. In every area of my life. There's victory for you. There's victory. In Jesus' name.